3: Post your free job
4: on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Better late than never. Welcome. It's baby. Let's go, baby. Fucking Anton Lander.
0: Yeah! Yeah! Bag milk. This is cesus. Cesus. Ceases. Ceases.
3: I am going to turn it down.
4: Tyler, your rem check is so fucking sexy.
3: Weathers Nation every day is going out at noon. Shout out to Tyler and his new show. We're going to turn down the intro. I got a lot to get to today and I've got another podcast to jump into immediately after this one. There is no time to waste. So I want to give a shout out to the audio department for being the title sponsor. And as always, the audio department works to create a safe space for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize their potential and share their message through sound and story. If you want to sound as good as I do, your folk, music, your hip hop, and your country jams, head on over to the audio department. This is what you got to do. I don't know what's going on in my headphones today. They're screaming loud. I wonder if that means that I'm recording loud or I just touched something else. I don't know. Does not matter. Does not matter. We have got plenty to get to today. I am welcoming from dailyfaceoff.com very shortly. Frank Saravalli will be here. We're going to talk a little bit of Oilers. We're going to talk about the NHL. I want to know about Yesa pooley I want to know about Jacob Chikrin. I want to know about this nonsense that Toronto Maple Leafs are clearing cap space for Connor McDavid four years from now. I'm going to ask Frank all of that when he joins me. But first, a couple of things that I need to get to. First, preseason game tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. And the interesting thing about preseason game number seven is that our boy Dylan Holloway, the potential answer, the answer potentially, will be lined up next to Connor McDavid. I'm excited to see how he looks next to Connor. I'm not going to lie. I think that that's a combination that could be real, real nice, provided that uh, things are our way. Sometimes you need a little bit of luck in these situations. Sometimes you need a little luck. You need to be lucky to be good. That's what they say. And so far... Our boy Dylan Holloway has been very, very good for the Edmonton Oilers so far in this preseason. He's got four goals so far, including a hat trick last game, which has many to believe that he could be the answer. While I'm not sure that Dylan Holloway is the answer just yet, I'm ready. We got the belt at the office. Nation HQ is ready to make the answer content. I am just a little bit more nervous than some folks are because I feel like... I feel like, I feel like, I've seen this before. I've seen it before. Once upon a time, I went to a preseason game. I believe it was against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure my memory is serving me right here. One Magnus Pyarvi Svensson scored a hat trick in a preseason game, and that led a young bag milk to leave the arena. It was Rexall Place at that time. It led me to leave Rexall place and wonder, is this guy, Magnus Piarvi, is he going to be the best of the lot? Is he going to be the best player available from that hope group? Of course, you remember Hall, Omar, Puliarvi, Eberle. Or not Puliarvi? Piarvi. We'll get to Puliarvi in a sec with Frank, I promise. I just think that in the preseason, the competition isn't quite as stiff. The goaltenders aren't quite as good. I just listen. I'm excited about Dylan Holloway too. I'm just, I'm just saying I'm a little bit nervous. That's all. I'm just a little bit nervous because I don't want us to be overhyping him. I don't want us to be leap heaping too much pressure on the kid before he even has a chance to get going. And I think that that's my concern, but tonight Jay Woodcroft has him sitting or playing right next to Connor McDavid. And, uh, Well, my friends, if you guys, if you're looking for an opportunity to make something happen, well, there is no better chance than tonight. What else is going on? Let's get to it in the news. The news brought to you by the audio department. Go check them out. Theaudiodepartment.ca. Go record a mixtape, go record a podcast. You too can start your own better late than never. And I recommend you do it at the audio department, theaudiodepartment.ca. You can book some time right there. First thing I want to start with in the news was that fishing trip the boys took. Did you see the pictures yesterday? All the boys went out, I don't know, somewhere in BC. They were all out fishing, fishing sturgeons. They caught some. Big fuck off fish too. Like What a battle that must be catching a sturgeon. I've never done it. I've wanted to do it. I love fishing. Seems like a great time. Boys look like they had a great time. The pictures that everybody wanted to talk about was the ones that Evander Kane posted of him and Pooley Harvey basically screaming at the fish they're trying to catch. They're fucking yelling, man. And from tennis, we know one thing. When you grunt, when you yell, when you scream, you give yourself 36% more power. And I feel like that's what those two are going for for in that moment. And I want to applaud them for the efforts. Let's go, baby. The other thing that I noticed from those photos, though, Mr. Evander Kane, and I don't know if he did it willingly or unwillingly or knowingly or unknowingly. I'm not here to speculate. What I'm here to tell you, though, is that Jake Vertanen was cropped out of the photos that Evander Kane posted. Again, I'm not here to say that that was intentional. I have no idea. Evander Kane and I have never met, nor will we probably ever meet. But what I do know is that the pictures I went up on his social did not include Jake Vertanen. (laughs) <laughs> there was a group of four dudes, all in the photos, but the ones that went out on social, the ones that Evander Kane posted, well, there was somebody missing, wasn't there? There was somebody missing, and, uh, well, shots fired. At least in my opinion, but again, I'm just speculating. I'm just making a little mischief here. That's what it seems like anyway. So I just want to shout out the boys. I love when we see the preseason team bonding activities that NHL teams do. They did some fishing yesterday. I saw today that they were out skeet shooting. Not Lil John Skeet, skeet, skeet. No, 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 no. Yeah! Skeet shooting like the things. I don't know what they are. Clay pigeons. They were shooting those. I wonder who was the best. I'm going to say Connor. I just imagine he's the best at everything. So I loved seeing that. Getting to actual business with the Edmonton Oilers, it is still the preseason somehow. Tonight is Game 7 of 8, but we are making our way through. The Oilers took care of some more cuts, including Xavier Borgo, who I think is going to be real good. Really looking forward to watching him this year. Noah Phelps, Michael Kessering, Phil Kemp, Olivier Rodrigue, Lucas Esposito, who had a fantastic camp. Luke Esposito, if you were looking for a guy who was never going to make the team but still made an impact, he's got to be a guy that's circled on your list. Alex Peters, both released from PTOs, report to Bakersfield. Greg McKegg, our boy Greg McKegg, he's also going, has been waived. He'll go to the AHL. Oilers, getting some stuff done. I'm a little surprised they didn't try to sneak a Dmitry Samarukov through waivers considering this is the time when everybody's kind of dumping their players and you hope to sneak a guy through. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. It just didn't. It just didn't. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on there with the Edmonton Oilers and how they're going to just make this all work. Waivers is weird to me. I don't really understand the eligibility, like how, when eligibility comes in, I'm sure there's a very distinct line in the sand. I've just never taken the time to go read about it. So Samorikov has to clear waivers on the way down, there's a good chance that somebody may look at him and say, hey man, this kid needs a chance. Maybe. I don't know that for sure, but maybe. Or maybe the Oilers, or maybe we Oilers fans are just overvaluing our prospects, as we always do, and he's just going to slide right on through. Again, I don't know. I'm just guessing here, baby. That's what we do. We're speculating. We're spitballing. It's a preseason. It's the training camp. We got a whole lot of shit going on. Who knows what's happening? In other news, Darren Dreger mentioned, and I'm going to ask Frank Saravalli this when he jumps on in a couple of minutes for the interview. Darren Cerev- uh Darren, Darren Dreger mentioned that the Oilers are one of many teams in on Jacob Chitrin, 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 whatever, however you say his name, Chitrin. So that's from Darren Dreger. So I'm going to ask Frank Saravalli when he comes on here in a couple of minutes, are the Oilers in on Jacob Chitrin? Because man, he would solve a lot of problems if they were. You know? I would feel so much better about the defense if they could figure a way to make this work. Again, I don't know how the math works. That's not my job. I'm not the guy getting paid five million bones to make these decisions, baby. I'm the guy who's recording a podcast at his kitchen table. I want Jacob Chickering. So I'm going to ask Frank. And I hope, I hope, I hope that this is actually something that may come to fruition. Man, he would help. Wouldn't he help? The other thing I want to get to uh, is just I'm curious to see how this Jacob for Chan- uh, this Jake Furtanen thing is going to go. With the Oilers, he picked up his first assist of the preseason in garbage time against the Canucks on Wednesday. It was a nice pass, better play by Fogle to knock the puck out of midair. Now, there are some Edmonton Oilers fans that are just well, what Jake Furtanen, beauty pass, he deserves a spot on the team. For me, I disagree. Looking strictly at what he's done on the ice, he's gone games with one shot or no shots, games with a hit or no hits. And for a guy who, to me, is hanging on to his NHL career by the skin of his teeth, by a thread, he's dangling there. Picture it. Picture the metaphor in your head of Jake for 10 and hanging on to his career by a thread, or by one lonely string, and it's starting to fray, and the string's starting to spin, a, spin around, and all of a sudden he's looking like he's going to fall, but uh, the Oilers give him a PTO. On Oilers Nation every day on Tuesday with Tom Gazzola, Tommy G told Tyler that he's like, listen, I don't know how long the Oilers are going to keep him around, but there's no chance he's making the team. He will get cut. That's according to Tommy G. I'm paraphrasing. Those were not his words. Obviously, whatever he said was way more handsome than what I just said. But I think the message from Tom is that who knows why Jake Vertanen is still kind of hanging around, but he doesn't expect him to make the club. And... Vander Kane may not expect him to make the cu- the club as well because he cropped him out of the fishing photos. Again, I don't know why he did that, but what I do know is that that was done. I also know that the Oilers' official account, the official team account, did not tag Jake Vertanen in those photos. Again, this is... this What happens on social media don't mean shit for what happens in the National Hockey League. Well, sometimes. Uh, who's that dude that had to go to Russia? Him and his buddies? a bunch of shitheads with their group techs. Um, My point here is I just, for a guy whose back is against the wall, for a guy who wants to be in the NHL, but may not deserve to be, I just expected more. I expected that he would lay it all on the line. I expected he'd be hitting everything that moves. I expected he'd be shooting from the parking lot, and it just hasn't happened. In fact, if I only knew this player as somebody on the ice, and didn't know any of the surrounding noise, I would think that he was an AHL player that's just found a way to kind of stick around in camp. That was it. He looks like an AHL player to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Gord knows I've been wrong thousands and thousands of times before, but at this stage, that's just what I'm thinking, you know? So you can disagree with me all you want, or you can agree with me, and you can leave me a voicemail and say, "Beg Milk, you're right, and you're smart, and you sound handsome, and you probably smell good. All of those things are mostly true. <laughs> mostly true. Some true, mostly not. Anyway, all I want to know is what you think. So hit me up, JSBM Bag Milk on Twitter. Hi, my name is Bag Milk on Instagram. There's just a lot to get to, and the season's almost here. We are a week away from the season opener, and that's very exciting. And if that's not a place to end off the news, then I don't know what is. The News! Brought to you by the Audio Department. Record a podcast. Record a rap album. Record a punk rock album. Oh, also in the news, Rage Against the Machine canceled their concert and I'm super bummed. Do you care? I hope you care. I need you to care. Caution! This podcast may contain traces of cheese and cherries. And with that, back to our regular programming.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you them.
3: four trilogy oil field rentals. Of course, they are a proud provider of rental tools with full-time operating units and Provost Weyburn and Kindersley. I'm happy to welcome my first ever guest on Better Late Than Never and a guy that I'm happy to have tee off the season with me, Frank Saravali from dailyfaceoff.com. Frank, Hello.
4: The cherry popper. That's right. The first episode. I forgot about that. The
3: very first one. And I still get a bunch of downloads on that first one. The sound was terrible. It sounded like we were underwater. Sounds better now. I'm feeling confident. So I'm hoping that round two goes a little bit better from an audience perspective. Frank, I want to jump right into this. We're getting into the NHL season. We're going to start with that. But you finally got to take a vacation after a long first year. Dailyfaceoff.com. But the thing I want to know is, are you ever really on vacation? Because while you were away, I'm following along, you took your lovely family on a vacay, but you're still breaking news on Twitter. What's going on here?
4: Yeah, it's um it's kind of one of the tough parts about this job. Like I, I'm not gonna say that it it's a tough job because there are people out there doing things that I could never do, uh, especially those protecting and serving us. Um, but I'm never, I don't, I don't, I I have a guilt factor that I never actually unplug because, um, even if something's happening and I am halfway around the world, I went with my family to Italy and we had an unbelievable trip. Um, but as things were happening, like I'm texting sources and they're like, what are you doing? Like, they're like, we know you're away. Like, like, stop. Um, and so <laughs> it was funny, like uh even you know, as things are going on, I talk to someone and say, like, hey, what's happening with this guy? And they'd send like sometimes I-, I ask someone something and they just they don't even send back anything other than a photo, like I'm at the leak, or like stop basically like stop bothering me. I don't have an off button. Um, and that kind of sucks because I would like to have one, but I just can't escape the guilt.
3: It kind of leads into a question that I got. Uh, I asked Weathers Nation citizens for questions for you uh, because you were coming on today. And Slater asks, has an agent GM or player ever gotten mad at you for news that you've broken? Does that kind of thing happen or is it all kind of an understood part of the gig?
4: People are always mad. Like Someone is always upset about something, whether it's some news that I broke or something that I said on Twitter or something that I wrote or something that I said now, most frequently on a podcast or radio hit, like someone is, and and it's always getting twisted and, and turned. And the best part is it's kind of like the people that get upset about the headline is they don't actually read the story. They just see the headline and they're upset. And then I had one a few weeks ago where an agent called me and he said, I, I didn't hear it, but someone told me that you said this on your podcast. And I was like, well, whatever he was mad about, I said the exact opposite. And I had to explain to him, he's like, oh, if that's the case, he's like, I fucking love you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, so he called about one thing, didn't know, but wanted to ask, which I'm always happy to take the call and and and, and answer. But um, it's always like, just, just listen to it. Like understand the nuance and the context that goes with it. There was something that I put out the other day that I heard from a few um, people in an organization. They were like, RGM was livid that you had that out there. And I was like, is it true? And they were like, yes. And I said, so like people never get upset. That's the best part is like people never get upset about stuff that's wrong. Cause they just laugh at you. Yeah. When you, that's- when they're mad, you know, you got it right.
3: How has the industry, since you started in your spot, I know you started covering the Flyers a long time ago, and then it kind of morphed into where you're at now. You talked about podcasts, you talked about the radio hits and how it ends up on Twitter almost instantly, be it in its full quote or even a piece of it. What's the biggest change from your perspective as you think of how we cover the game now?
4: It's the volume. It's how many different platforms and medias, your mediums you're on. Uh, it, it doesn't end. It's it's literally, I'm at my desk at 6.30 every morning and it continues on. Last night I went to bed. I left my desk at 11.47 PM. It just, it doesn't stop. It's radio, it's podcast, it's YouTube show, it's TV show, it's written format And I was actually thinking this morning because I I was punching in a contact on my phone and what came up was the Flyers media hotline that's still in my phone from when I first started. Like I don't like, I'm not saying that I'm older than I am, but like when I first started covering this league, there was no Twitter and there was not really that much happening on email. You actually had to legitimately call into the Flyers media hotline and be like, practice today is at 1130. Uh, You know, so-and-so like this, like, it was like, we're traveling at 230. Our flight gets into this place. Like, that's how you actually learned about what you needed to do for the day. You called a hotline Now every PR staff has a Twitter account or an email list. Actually, the Oilers PR uses WhatsApp. Like this entire business has changed. It used to be go to the rink, not worry about social media or Twitter, do your job and you had like practice would end at 2.30 or whatever time, if they practice at 10.30, let's say it's over at 11.30, talk to players until 12.30. I had from 12.30 when I walked out of the rink, all the way until 10 PM to file my story for the next day's paper. Now and my like day, an eternity. My day was whatever I wanted it to be. Yeah. Now I'm I'm chained to my desk and I'm not saying that I'm not complaining. It's just different.
3: I was talking to Robin Brownley, who writes Fred Osur there's Nation. He was on the beat for a hundred years and he was just talking about how it's amazing, even things like the post-game scrums where they're just on Twitter now. It's not, you have to stand there, you get your quotes, you have to run back and file. It's just, it's there. And it's changed so much, like you said. So um, my next question is, do you think the NHL does a good enough job utilizing the extra mediums to promote their product. And cause I'm thinking about the DFO rundown. You guys are doing two episodes a week. Some of the interview got interviews you and Jason have done on the podcast have been amazing. The, the personality that comes out is always super entertaining. Do you think the NHL does a good enough job of getting that out of
4: their guys? I think they do, but I also think they're working with something that it's, it's they're working with a group of players that are not malleable. And not to say that some players aren't willing to take chances, but I saw a study that was published yesterday. It was a, it was on Tuesday and it was a random uh, survey of 2,500 American sports fans. And part of this is because they're in in the U S and they were asked to name their favorite hockey player, Connor McDavid, the best player in the world was listed as the 22nd most popular NHL player by this survey.
3: Who's <laughs> number one?
4: Number one was... It's uh, a good question. I know number five Number five was Marc-Andre Fleury. Number four was Joe Thornton. I forget who's on the list. I can actually uh, pull it up for you. But while I'm saying it, This is not a shot at all of of Connor McDavid, but he's number 22 in the world in popularity because he has the personality of a stick.
3: Well, my beloved Connor, he's not going to be the guy that gives you a good quote generally, is he?
4: Sidney Crosby, although not much more personality, was far and away number one.
3: Well, that's why I talk about it here in Edmonton. If you want a good quote from a guy on the Edmonton Oilers in 2022, the person you stick the mic in front of is either a Leon Drysidel because he always says weird stuff, or Evander Kane is going to be a guy that also says something interesting.
4: But I always, that's the thing is like when I spend time around the Oilers, I would always go to the player that was there, saw and heard everything and could make sense of it and give you perspective. like. um, Oh, I'm trying to think. I, I always went to Mark Latestu. Yeah, sure. Because he, he's, he, he's not the star. No one's looking to him to be the star, but he sees the stars and sees all the little things that they do. And he can tell you what makes them great. But then people are like, I don't care. I don't want to hear from Mark Latestu. And it's like, he's the only one that's going to give you anything.
3: Yeah, that's, it, that was a really interesting pick by you and Mark Letestu because I always thought he was so eloquent when he spoke. He was just like a really good speaker, and he conveyed his messages really well.
4: Really smart dude, and not shocked at all that he's already found himself a job in the hockey world.
3: Again, I asked Nation Citizens for questions for Frank Saravalli, The first thing that comes up all the time, it does not end, and it's been going on for years now, Frank. What is happening with Yesa
4: Pugliarvi? There's a lot to unpack with that question. Where would you like to start?
3: Well, let's start here. On Daily Face Off Live, watch that weekdays at 10 a.m. Mountain, by the way. On Daily Faceoff Live, you kind of mentioned that at the price tag of $3 bucks, other teams don't quite know what they're going to get in this player. And I think that's fair, given that he started out last season like a house on fire, and then he kind of trailed off as the year went along. So it seems like the market isn't quite as strong for the guy as a lot of Oilers fans think it was, or think it is. And it also seems that Ken Holland is not going to give him away either. So where does that put us?
4: Well, it, it, it makes for this next week being a fascinating week for Yessipul Yarvi's career. Because you look at the way Holloway's come out, and they're not pitted next to each other. It's not pulley RV competing against Holloway or anything like that. Uh, it's not one over the other, but it, it's a pure bodies thing. Like it comes down to lineup and opportunity. And so, if you are if you were to look at Holloway and the success that he's had in the preseason, and we'll get into that in a little bit, and you look at where he's had success in the lineup, and then you consider Warren Fogle and the chemistry that he's developed with McLeod and with Nuge that you, you probably don't want to break that up, right? So you're looking at basically two spots, fourth line and second line right wing. And I neither one of those guys, Holloway or Pulleyarvey, is really well suited for that spot. Like I don't think yes, a pulley can be productive or effective on the fourth line. And I think it's a waste of Dylan Holloway's time. So I would say they're in they're in competition in the sense that they like Poliarvi has a lot to prove. Yep, limited sample size or not, Holloway's produced more this preseason and has been way more impactful. And I, I think that's the big question mark with Poliarvi is what what is he what's his calling card? What's he hanging his hat on? What is something that you know? I was talking to a team, a, a GM, two days ago. And I was asking about one of his PTOs and he went through this whole thing and he goes, what is this guy going to do to help you win? That's his big question. And he couldn't come up with an answer. And I was like, well, I'm I'm sure that guy is going to be on his way somewhere else shortly. And that's the big thing I keep asking myself with Paul as much as everyone loves all the analytics and they get so excited and they, they like the player and they're invested emotionally because of where he was drafted there's a lot that's missing from his game.
3: I agree with you. I think there's a lot missing from his game offensively. I like the way he plays defense, but you brought it up. You brought up the analytics. What's your take on just like, the way I use analytics is I watch the game and I form an idea and I go to the numbers to see if what I saw matches up to what's in the spreadsheets. That's generally how I do it. What's your take on just analytics as gospel This is the way it is. Let's money ball the game.
4: I don't, I don't think there's any place for that because I don't, there's a number of reasons why one is the information that's publicly available is so far different than the information that the teams use. Uh, You're dealing with a very limited scope of what, you know, the public websites track and have access to teams use their own independent third-party data sources. There's millions of data points now available, like quite literally millions from puck and player tracking that teams haven't even scratched the surface of. And they're forming opinions and models that are so vastly different than what we see publicly that it's, honestly, it's like apples to oranges. That, and I also think, because we're still learning so much about where hockey is like, we don't have a statistic like baseball does with, with war wins above replacement. We don't, we're, we're getting closer. Like Dom decision has his game score and there's things like that, that have been really important developments, but it's not the end all be all because we still can't properly address and quantify how teams actually play better when some of their best players are injured. How's that? How do they perform better? It's like that and there's so much randomness to hockey and, and random yeah. chance that it, analytics there. It's valuable to, to check and, and use as a resource, but it cannot be the end all be all that just can't not in this sport yet.
3: Well, and it's also like you said, the randomness of hockey. We're not starting on the pitcher's mound every single play, always and forever. You know, it's very, very random. It's very fluid. It's it's a it's or a like
4: basketball. Play. There's not an inbounds play like that. Every like everything in those other sports starts from something. This starts all over the place, and a lot of times continues on the fly.
3: We talked about Dylan Holloway. Hell of a preseason so far for the kid. He got a hat trick on Wednesday against a Vancouver team that was, you know, it was a bunch of prospects in there. Still got a hat trick, looked good doing it. My question for you, Frank, is how much stock do you put into the preseason? Because we see Holloway do this, score this hat trick. Everybody's excited. At Nation HQ, I even have a title belt I'm ready to give him the answer title, but I also remember in 2009, I believe it was when Magnus Pyarvi Svensson also scored a preseason hat-trick against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we got way too excited about it.
4: Well, the preseason is just another data point. For half the players that are established, It's they're just trying to get through and not get injured. There's way too many games being played at Thank six, you. seven, or eight the fact that I was watching a preseason game on Tuesday night that went to overtime was a damn near travesty. <laughs> uh, they should, they should just abolish <laughs> overtime. Like, sorry, games end in a tie. Like we, we don't care. Um, but I felt there, the same
3: way Woodcroft had uh threw out a coach's challenge the other night. I'm like, come on, we don't need this. Not in oh, the preseason. It's long enough.
4: Yeah. And that it's the best part is like, some of these games are hard to find. You can't even watch them. Like yeah. it's like, they're where, where do they, where are they even existing and for who uh, I love that. Some teams have stopped charging their season ticket holders for preseason games, the Blackhawk, yeah, Like the reason why we have preseason games is because teams charge regular season prices for them. Yeah. That's why we have them. The Blackhawks said this year, we're not charging fans for preseason games. You don't want them. Don't buy them and don't come. And they sold all their tickets for 20 bucks, which I love because I love it's, a, it's a price point to get every fan in your market. That's even casual or curious about it. And kids and families that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford NHL hockey in your building. Love it. 100%. So that said, it's important because you've got guys fighting for jobs. And so I look at some some situations around the league, and you know, I'll, I'll and I've said this a bunch about the Vancouver Canucks this week. Um, they've got a ton of guys fighting for spots that have done jack shit to break down the door and join and make their team. Like I think you find out a lot about a team in the preseason based on the way they act. The Canucks have played this preseason like they're a hundred and five point team, and you know. They've had all this success.
3: I'm looking, I'm going uh, right after you and I wrap up here. I'm going on Canucks conversation with our boy, David Quadrelli. And I'm looking forward to bringing up one of the points in your 32 Bold Predictions article. That was up on dailyfaceoff.com. When you're watching something-
4: this preseason is a big reason why I made that prediction. The Canucks, they look lifeless to me. Their best players have not been their best players. So people say to me, why would you say that uh, Bruce Boudreaux is going to be the first coaching casualty. Well, take their preseason performance, which again, not putting too much stock into, but if your team's lifeless and, and thinks they're better than they are, you're going to be served a, a warm dish of humble pie to start the year. And second is the friction that goes back to the summer when Bruce Boudreaux coming off a successful run from December on asks for an extension. When, you know, he he was hired by the owner. He wasn't hired by this management group. And they were like, we're not giving you one. So he comes into the season thinking he deserves one. And if this goes sideways off the hop, I do not think that they will hesitate one second to jettison him.
3: That would be spicy. Old Bruce, there it is out the door. We're in a hurry. Well, that's, that's what I said. Going, Bruce,
4: that's what I wrote. Bruce, there it was.
3: Oh. Uh, a couple of questions from Twitter for you, Frank. Hank wants to know, best nhl rink to watch a game at. Montreal. Is it the fans, the vibe, everything all everything. encompassing?
4: It's it's intoxicating that environment there. It is louder than any other building and it's an amazing place to see a game because it's humongous, like 21 some thousand and the seats, when you walk up the steps there, they are not legal anywhere else. It's like the steepest pitched building. It's, it's an amazing place to see a game and the history. Like you look around and you see Stanley cup, 1905 or whatever. Like, it's like, like seriously, like that's amazing.
3: Uh, Danger suede wants to know. I know Frank has at times enjoyed a bottle of red wine with the boys. Do you have any favorites on your wine list?
4: Okay. So I got totally spoiled this summer um, going to Italy, went to, I spent a week in Tuscany with my family and my kids who are, uh, six and eight were really good sports. Cause we did a couple wine tastings and they were just along for the ride, which was awesome. They cooperated, did not give us a hard time. And we were able to see way more than we thought we could. And I got absolutely spoiled in Montalcino, the home of Brunello. Uh, just, I am all over any right now. This is my like flavor du jour, any Brunello, uh from Italy and you can find them all over the map like you can find them you know from 25 to 29 dollars all the way up to 150 300 a bottle um but i i don't think you can go wrong with a good brunello the brunello category classification is only reserved for the best the very best selection of grapes from montalcino the sangiovese grape uh pretty awesome to be in some of those vineyards and to hold those in your hand
3: Amazing. I love that. The red wine red wine lifestyle is strong with the nation. Um a bunch of new teams launched some jersey alterations this year. Who are you like and who's got the best kits?
4: Okay, so this is a spicy take. I don't like what the sharks have done. And Ooh. the reason why I like the teal, too much teal. A you lot cannot teal. have teal helmets, teal jerseys, teal pants, and teal socks.
3: A lot. It's a lot.
4: You look like Gumby.
3: I agree. What about the other needed,
4: They needed black pants. That's my sartorial advice. If you gave that uniform black pants, that would absolutely bump.
3: You know what? If you had black pants and a black lid, all of a sudden you're looking real sharp.
4: They, I think they had that previously though. Like they had black pants, black, black lid, and I think they were trying to spice it up. And I just think they went overboard. That's all. Um, Who did the best job? Remind me of some of the other ones that have been out there. I'm drawing a blank.
3: Well, like the Oilers went back to their classic blue and oranges. Uh, I'm so glad
4: they got rid of the orange.
3: Oh, can we just like spend two seconds just saying, thank God that the orange is gone. I hated those jerseys. And I will go on record everywhere that someone will listen that they had these beautiful blue and oranges just sitting there waiting. And Connor and Leon had to wear the pylons.
4: Maybe this is all part of the plan, though. They, They made everyone buy the orange and they made a shitload of money on it. And now... They're going to go to the blue so that everyone will buy that too.
3: They also brought back like a version of the Todd McFarlane from, uh, back in the day. That's yeah, like third I hate this that. year. That one's an interesting one. A lot of people are split on. I don't mind. I'll tell you right now, I'm not buying one, but I don't mind it. I like that. They just didn't do the logo in a different color, I guess. But yeah,
4: I bad. like the other, um, going back to the, uh, Oilers mid to late nineties with the copper. That's um, the one I want. Yeah, that, but I really like the, the shoulder patch on that jersey with like the working man. What, yeah, it, yeah, what, yeah. It, what do you guys call that?
3: I don't know what that guy's called, but I actually, there was a time we wrote about it on OilersNation.com where how fun
4: would that guy be as a third? That's what I mean. Take that and make that the logo.
3: Yeah. I love I'm, that. I'm with you. That's, that would be an amazing jersey. 100%. So I
4: think going with the, what they have now, the, the McFarlane one, it's just, it's cheesy.
3: Agreed. But if you're into the oranges, I saw this morning on Twitter, some folks at the Oilers store were there. They are deeply discounted if you want a pylon jersey. Uh, Frank, I'm not going to keep you too, too long. So I'm going to wrap up the segment with you with a DFO rundown tribute. We're going to do a little buy and sell, but we're going to keep it around kind of the Pacific division a little bit because this is going up on Oilers Nation. On Twitter, I have no idea where some of this stuff comes from, where it came from, a podcast, whoever. Buy or sell, Frank Zarevalli, that in four years' time, the Toronto Maple Leafs will be clearing cap space to try and sign Connor McDavid.
4: Sell. Unless Unless the wheels absolutely fall off in Edmonton and they're not competitive, I don't think there's any way Connor McDavid's leaving.
3: To me, also, opening up cap space or trying to for something four years from now is like me saying that I'm going to date Miranda Kerr if she ever leaves the Snapchat guy. You know, yeah. Number so you're two,
4: saying there's a chance. <sighs> there's always
3: a chance, baby. Buy or sell. All roads lead to Colorado.
4: In the West, yep. Bye. Do you think they did enough? I don't think they're better. Uh, I think Alex Newhook is going to have a big year, so I don't know how much of a drop off there's going to be from Cadbury to him, and I also don't know that Cat like you're not banking on 87 points from Kadri, right? No. Like, is, is he possibly going to hit that number again? So that was the big thing about all those guys that hit free agency this summer, Johnny Gaudreau, and then Hubert O was traded. Like they all had seasons that were outliers from where they previously produced historically in their career. And time will tell if they're going to hit those numbers again, I would tend to bet against it. Um, but I still think when you've got a core that includes Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, you know, Gabriel Landeskog, that whole group, um, they're just hard to beat. Rantanen is a beast. What do you got in the East? I have Carolina winning the cup over the Calgary Flames.
3: Did you say the Calgary Flames? Well, that's real good because once upon a time, my friend Frank Saravala, you predicted that my fair Oilers would go to the Stanley Cup. So this is real good for me, actually.
4: So this is the point that I made on mm-hmm. ON every day was Oiler like, Fla- fans should be thanking me that I didn't make any team <laughs> predictions because they generally have not ended well. And it's like anyone that I did predict should hate me. <laughs> I love that.
3: Uh, buy or sell. This is the year Connor McDavid hits 50 goals.
4: Bye. That was one of my bold predictions. He's made it such a point, I think, for a really proud guy to score more. Getting to 44 last year was a nice step, but I still think there's more to go. And there was still that 25 game swoon last year. I looked it up where McDavid had just 26 points. He looked like a mere mortal. And I don't think he's going to go a quarter of the season with a run as sort of not unproductive as that.
3: Which is amazing, right? Like you said, it's a point of game, and we're still going like, what are you doing, Connor? Come on.
4: Yeah, I know. Seriously, where is where, what happened to McDavid? Amazing.
3: The Pacific Division is the Oilers to lose.
4: Uh, Sell. So. Really? Who you got? I picked the Kings to win the division. And I know the point is to be bold, right? Like sure, saying saying the Oilers are going to win the division, like they're, that's not bold at all. Um, it would have been a little bold to do the Flames to win the division, but I actually think the Flames are better suited to win in the playoffs with the changes that they made. And I think if the Flames and Oilers do meet in the playoffs, that they could very well uh, avenge last year's five-game battle of Alberta.
3: I don't think so but we'll see (laughs) last question buy and sell with frank saravalli from dailyfaceoff.com the oilers are a legitimate landing spot for jacob chikrin
4: sell the oilers have had no communication with the arizona coyotes on jacob chikrin in any recent time
3: heartbreaking news from frank saravalli our boy is not going to be an oiler just yet again Check out Daily Faceoff Live weekdays at 10 a.m. Mountain. The DFO Rundown is back to twice a week. Frank, thank you very much for being here, pal.
4: Always a pleasure.
0: Roof of the Saddle Dome crumbling. Roof of the Saddle Dome crumbling. Roof of the Saddle Dome crumbling. You're listening to Better Late Than Never telling you to stay the fuck out of Calgary.
3: The voicemail. Brought to you by Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. How about that interview with Frank? Connor McDavid ain't going nowhere. Sorry, Toronto. Sorry. Love that interview. I love when Frank throws rain or throws water, whatever you want to say. Rains on the Leafs parade. I love that shit. That, that quote's going to pop. I promise you. All right. Handful of voicemails to get to this week. Thank you guys as always for jumping into the voicemail. This is one of my favorite segments as always, and I'm super, super excited about it. So, with that in mind, let's get right to it.
0: Hey. Hey, you.
4: Yeah, you. Come here. Here, I got something for you. See this? This is better late than never. Starting <laughs> packed milk. You should listen to it. He's got some good opinions. Uh-huh. And he's really
3: fucking sexy, man. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. Yes. Yes. All of that is very, very true. Uh, don't quote me on that. Number two, Kyler.
0: Is the roof of the Saddle Dome still crumbling? You betcha. Thanks for all the love last week. Uh, I also wanted to chime in with another uh, voicemail. My preseason pick for uh, Champ, the Tyratty Award, I think I'd have to give it to Devin Dubnik. I don't know if you would count Devin Dubnik, but I do. There was the one preseason. I think it was like two back uh, mm. back-to-back shutouts. Four-nothing, four I think, something like that. And I thought for sure he was the answer. He was going to get us through. And, of course, he didn't. He ended up getting traded and lightened it up elsewhere, but yeah he'd be my pick i think for uh the Ty ready award
3: i love these i love when you guys throw back to questions from weeks past where it's just like man somebody just came sometimes things just come up you know Devin Dubnik, I don't remember him being a stud in the preseason, but I also don't deny it. I don't deny that he probably got a couple of shutouts. That's just, that's how things go in Edmonton. We get so obsessed over preseason results. And like I said earlier, off the jump in this podcast, it's like, I love Dylan Holloway so much right now. He is, he's gonna go on the answer belt, I feel like, at some point. I've already declared him the winner, the 2022 winner of the Ty Tyratty Award, which is, of course, awarded to the preseason champ. But as we know, preseason results don't necessarily translate into what happens in the regular season. So, I'm cautiously optimistic, and that's where I'm going to be. That doesn't mean I support him any less, but man, I've got high hopes, but my expectations are a little bit lower. He's still a young guy. He's a rookie man. The NHL's not a development league. We all know this. Devin Dubnik, I like that throwback. Captain Felton.
0: This is Captain Felton with your Vancouver Fairweather Fan Report. Canucks still suck, and let's go Oilers!
3: I mean, that's eloquent in his brevity, you know? You don't really need much more than that. In fact, this is also a perfect time where I can tell you that I just did a hit on Canucks' conversation with Quads and Chris Faber. Always a good time talking to those boys. Go check that out if you want a little Oilers talk ahead of tonight's game against the Canucks. I see the captain is back with a second voicemail.
0: To Jake, who says he hates Chevy. (laughs) I've only got one thing to say. (laughs) The legend of the Chevy farm grew Grew here in in the West. (laughs) Now people come from far and wide
3: to put us through the
0: test. (laughs) And when When the deal deal is is done, they'll they'll agree there's only one that leads the way. The legend of the Chevy farm. (laughs) Watcha!
3: Westgate Chevrolet. Good for you, the captain. We're doing some sing-alongs here on Better Late Than Never the last couple of weeks. I really like it. Nick, what say you?
0: Bagged Milk, what the fuck is going on? So uh, I've seen you've been posting pretty heavily about the Whipping Boy, or at least I think you have. Maybe. I have two different Instagram accounts. and I follow you on both, so I get double baked Milk. Nice. Anyways. Mm-hmm. In comments about the Whipping Boy, I gotta say, I couldn't agree more. You know?
3: So before now Nick goes into his thing, if you didn't listen to last week's episode with the Righteous Sack beating for our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, My righteous sack beating for last week was just that, you know what? I think it's time that we get past the whipping boy here at Edmonton. We all have favorites. I like keep Nuge forever. I started that. We all have favorites. I get it. But I don't think that the whipping boy for those that aren't your favorites is the way that we need to go. I think we need to evolve and I don't know how we can do it, but I think we need a grassroots movement to try and get the whipping boy just kind of out of our vernacular. Yes, there's going to be players that piss us off. And yes, there's going to be guys that we just don't like on our team. But I think that if we rather focus on guys that we do like, that would be a little bit more positive. Nick, thoughts?
0: As long as I can remember being an Oilers fan, there's been a whipping boy. And I've always been a guy, when the team loses, it's everyone's fault. Yep. Yes, Miko Koskinen gave up some bad goals. Mm -hmm. But guess what? The only guy who scored a goal on offense was Colton fucking Sevier. And your defense wasn't doing Koskinen (laughs) anything uh-huh. But it's like, as long as I've been a fan, there's always been a whipping boy. Yeah. You know, it was Pujarvi, and before him, it was Koskinen. You can go back. Before him, it was Milan Lucic. And go further. Before him, it was Justin Schultz. And go before further. him, it was Neil Yakubov, And I'm missing some in there. And like, even before my time, my dad always talked about two guys. And there was a goalie. I want to say he was Jason LaBarbera, but I'm wrong, so correct me. It was a goalie. Who was a whipping boy?
3: If if your dad had a real problem with Jason Labarbera and his three and a half seconds here, that is amazing. That is a that is a Oilers fan to his core. Uh, I don't know who the goalie you're talking about is. Hmm. The only one I could think of that was a really annoyed me was like, let me go back in the day. Tommy Salo, after he got his hit in the head in the Olympics against Belarus, he was never the same. But I don't know if he was a whipping boy. Kujo uh, ruled. Was not. Roley ruled. UC ruled. Ty Conklin, maybe? Ty Conklin took a lot of shit for what happened in, uh, in, in, in the Stanley Cup Finals when Roly got knocked out. Maybe him?
0: Who's next? He got ran out of town. The other one was Tom Pody. You know, late 90s. Tom Pody was, gonna, was a good defenseman.
3: I was going to say, I bet, I bet Tom Pody is on your dad's list. I bet he is. And there he was. For the Edmonton and one of those.
0: And he became the whipping boy of the team, and he got ran out of town and I gotta say I don't get it and I know other teams do it too like Dion Phaneuf comes to mind when I think of that and I just don't get it because when the team loses it's everyone's fault not just the one guy and I don't get pinning it on the one guy anyways thanks to milk. Like, go Oilers
3: I think that the whipping boy thing is again it happens in other cities it's not just an Oilers thing like don't if you're listening to this and be like fuck you Bag Milk other teams hate their guys too like I remember that website when it was uh shit it was Montreal Did, so, Scott Gomez. There was a website at one point, did Scott Gomez score? And every day the joke was just, no, 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 no. And we all do it. Every fan base does it. it. But I think that we as Oilers fans, we can try and change that. At least a little bit. At least a little bit. What's next?
0: Hey, Bag Milk. I just want you to know that you are my favorite Dairy product. Thank you. In an unconventional packaging. You are the absolute best. Love the podcast. Keep it up. I love you, man.
3: I love you too, buddy. I love you too. In fact, I love you so much that I'm going to give you a button. Which one will I give you? Hmm, this one. That's how much I love you. You can take that as you wish, Chandler. Bagged milk. Yes, sir. I think we may have
4: a problem on our hands here. And that problem Let's go. is that we have essentially a stalemate between Tyler, your
0: being so sexy <laughs> and Jay Woodcroft being so handsome. Uh-huh. We have to find some way to settle this. Yeah, We got to have some
4: sort of contest yeah. to figure out who is the most handsome man in Edmonton? Is it Taylor Hamchunk or Bay Woodcroft?
3: This is now now you've called the right place. You have come to the right place, my friend, because on Better Late Than Never, we solve these kind of issues exactly. So, Jay Woodcroft, we knew last week, he was named the most handsome coach in the NHL. And we are going to play the Jay Woodcroft music. Where is it? Where is the Jay Woodcroft music? There we go. Dugging in the And Tyler Remchuk obviously is just, the intro says it all. He's so fucking sexy. So how are we going to settle this? The only thing that I can think of off the top of my head, and I'm glad you came to me for an idea, is that we do some kind of shirtless calendar for charity where each guy gets six pages of the calendar. They alternate months. So there's going to have to have some kind of snake draft or something like that where they decide which months they want. There's obviously going to be key ones, right? Like I don't think anybody wants February. February only has 28 days. I don't know if next year is a leap year or not, but it's only got 28 days. We got, we got, we got shit to do. We're judging the sexiness of these two individuals. I'm going to need more than 28 days to do that. So I'm thinking some kind of snake draft, some kind of draft where they're drafting their best six months. And then, and then, and then, we have two different versions of this hunk calendar. One with Bay Woodcroft, as you called him, which is amazing. The other with Tyler Uramchuk, also very handsome. And we see which cover sells the best. And that way, with charity being the driver, we can find out who is the most handsome of them all. Thank you very much.
0: Big Muck, what the fuck is going on? So What's going on, We're pretty heated in this.
3: Do we got a righteous sack beating coming up?
0: This pisses me off, and some tells me it's going to be your righteous sack beating,
3: too. Oh! Hang on. Hang on. If you're going to do a righteous sack beating, we got to do it right.
2: You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy.
0: Let's go. But how about this bullshit that the Toronto Maple Leafs are factoring Conor McDavid into their long-term cap
3: plans? I hope you enjoy the interview with Frank Saravalli. I'm going to let you get mad right now because I'm going to enjoy it as a consumer of your content. But when you listen back to this episode of the podcast, there's going to be a quote in there that's just for you, my friend. Have at her.
0: Are you joking? Like, this is complete bullshit for a multitude of reasons. Number one, I think McDavid and Drysaddle are Oilers for life. Maybe that's me being biased. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. But I think they're going to be signed, and I think they're going to be orders for life. But if they aren't, if they do leave, I think they're going somewhere where they can win a Stanley Cup, where they think they can win. And I'm sorry, I don't care that Connor McDavid grew up tuning for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care that you have Austin Matthews. I don't care that you have Mitch Marner. I don't care that you have Morgan Riley. When your playoff series wind route can legally drink in Alberta, can legally star in pornography, you're not a winning team and I don't care who's on that team. <laughs> what? Secondly, <laughs> if you're an NHL GM and Connor McDavid is available and you're not doing everything in your power to go get him, you're a failure. I'm sorry. If what is the most talented player of all time is available and you're not doing whatever you can to get that guy on your team, you're a failure. You are a failure. That doesn't make the Toronto Weekly really special. Every other team in the NHL should be trying to get him. Thirdly, I believe it's all based on a fake report. I don't think Elliott Friedman actually said anything about it. I think it was a fake Leafs account. So it's all based on bullshit, and it's all for publicity's sake. Guest Righteous Sack Beating, Nick.
3: There you go, there's Nick.
2: You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy.
3: I love that. You can always do a Guest Righteous Sack Beating. If you want, just let me know let me know it's going to be a righteous act beating. I'll give you the intro. Why not? Why not? Here's the reality. Having any report from anyone say that anyone's planning anything four years from now in a sport like this, it's just ridiculous. There's so many variables that can happen between now and then that even thinking about it is absurd. Like I said to Frank, Having the Leafs plan for Connor McDavid four years out when he's probably going to already have an extension signed before he even makes it to free agency is akin to me planning to marry Miranda Kerr even though she's still with the Snapchat guy. Does she want to trade in a billionaire for a blogger? Maybe. But I think I'd be an idiot to plan for it. There you go. Let's wrap up the voicemail. Voicemail brought to you by Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. Check them out if you need the tools to get the job done that you are working on. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting. Did you guys see the announcements that we did today? New live shows in Calgary with a Boomer and the gang. That was Sportsnet's morning show. We just took them. They're ours now. That's the morning show on Flames Nation. Canucks Conversation, I just did a guest spot on there today. They're five days a week. Oilers Nation every day here in Edmonton. Tyler's live every day. If there's a game on the weekends, he'll go live that day as well. Oh, in Toronto, we got our boy Nick Alberga. He's got the Leafs Morning Take. That launches next week as well. In total, we announced four daily shows today. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Playmaker announcement on that, go check that out. If you want to come to Vegas with us, well, I'm telling you there's only like three or four spots left. So if you're waiting, if you're listening to this and you're like, Bag Milk, I think I might like to enjoy a vacation with you in January, but I'm humming and hawing. Well, let me tell you, don't do that. You're going to miss out. I promise you that. I promise. And they're a great time. we got a viewing party. We're going to the game. It's going to be great. Why wouldn't you want to be there? Pull your life together, right? right. For that, we're going to wrap up. Episode 48 of Better Late Than Ever, I want to thank the audio department, Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, and Frank Saravalli for stopping by and giving me some of his time. And most importantly, all of you for listening. Have a great week. Let's go Oilers.